Local Edge, powered by Ad Canada Media. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Local Edge, your show for better understanding and connecting with small communities in Canada. Here, we explore the value of these markets to advertisers, agencies, communities, and more. And we bring you the latest news, insights, and trends from the world of local advertising and marketing. I am very pleased to be your host. My name is Shauna Randolph. And on today's show, we're going to chat with agency professionals to find out what is the right balance between online and traditional media in campaigns that target rural audiences. It's really at the core of why The Local Edge was created in the first place. We really want you to understand that particularly in rural markets, inherent challenges exist that make it risky to apply those advertising strategies that are used in large metropolitan markets to those in rural areas. So whether you are an advertiser, agency, community member, or just interested in the world of local advertising, sit back. Join us here for Local Edge, a closer look at the power of small communities in Canada. The average annual expenditure in household appliances in Quebec amounted to $617 annually, making it the leading province. Alberta was second close by at $592, while Nova Scotians ranked last at $412 spent. For more data like this and a better understanding of connecting with local markets, please visit adcanadamedia.ca. And joining us on today's episode, we have Lynn Hoffman. Lynn is Partner Director with Strategy with Mediology Media in Regina. From Toronto, we have Tim Beach. He is Media Lead with Blue Noise Studios. And in Winnipeg, we welcome Sarah Unruh, Director of Media with McKin Sherpa. Very nice to have the three of you here today. Hi. Hi. Okay, I'd like to start with Tim on this one. He's joined us on the show before talking about one-size-fits-all approaches to media strategies. Tim, how different is marketing to rural audiences than marketing to an urban one? Yeah, exactly. It really, when we talk about one-size-fits-all, it really shouldn't, shouldn't be that approach, right? That's something that is so important. It should be really about how can we look at each individual market and community differently? Really delve into how so many of markets, mid-size, small-size, they tend to have very different landscapes that, you know, the one-size-fits-all approach doesn't quite work, right? You don't want any kind of cookie-cutter planning happening. Now, I do acknowledge that it's it's a big challenge for all agencies to, you know, have the resources and spend the time to do this. But ideally, what it is is really zeroing in and doing the research either through media tools that we all have for certain markets, but when they get small markets, you know, the team can take it further and and, and through research online, uh, you know, there could be other people in the agencies from those markets. Um, you know, in some cases we used to, and I hope we do it more often, but we actually visit those markets and kind of do a media landscape tour to kind of get those, those insights, those key insights that will drive our media decisions. Uh, and in a lot of cases, you're gonna find that Certain markets have a lot stronger than outdoor, um, uh, traditional outdoor, or digital outdoor. Some may you know, have challenges where you know, it could be a border city and um, you know, like Windsor and the radio uh, is weaker and you want to you know, lean on their really strong news and newspaper and so on. So I'm going a little further right now, but I'll, uh, basically <laughs> we're saying that uh, it should be individual markets and look at the landscapes. And that's, that goes along with um, suppliers too. It's not about one big RFP for everyone. It's yeah. 
Let's look at every market. Yeah, we're going to talk about the strategies a little more. That's a good little tease for us. Thank you, Tim. I want to get uh, Sarah and Lynn's perspectives on this as well, as well, this kind of myth many people consider with the one-size-fits-all approaches. Starting with you, Sarah, your thoughts. For sure. I'll just echo kind of what Tim said. Boots on the ground sometimes can be super important. Some of the challenges we have in rural markets is there's not the same level of research. Radio stations aren't necessarily, you know, rated and stuff like that. So there is a little bit of gap of information. So when you can actually get people from those markets to say, yeah, this is the radio station that everybody listens to. This is the newspaper that everyone is still grabbing, you know, every week when it comes out, that sort of stuff is invaluable for us when there is is that gap um, in the research. Okay, so we have a perspective from Toronto, we have from Winnipeg, and of course, Sarah on the show in the past as well. Thank you for coming back again, Sarah. Uh, Lynn, your perspective now from Regina. Yeah, I think that both of what Tim and Sarah had to say is absolutely um, perfect. Uh, One of the things that we spend a lot of time doing is uh, making sure that we have great relationships with our media partners across the country. And that's one of the critical pieces for us because we've built this trust with them. So they bring a lot of learnings to us and we really rely on that quite heavily in terms of small markets. Um, There's not a lot of data, as Sarah has said, our research tools don't get into those teeny tiny markets and that's that's a disadvantage, especially when you're planning specifically in those little tiny areas that have little population, no radio stations, no outdoor. So we have to take a step back and see what that market looks like. Additionally, the people that live in those markets are different. They consume media a lot differently than the urban markets do. They don't have as much to uh, rely on. And so they put a heavy trust in some of the local media. And, And that's really important to make sure that we rely on that and use that information. So when we're looking at some of these small uh, communities and they're involved in that local media, it really makes a difference to the actual user. So, Um, When they're involved in it, they pay more attention to it. And that's a critical piece in media planning. So aside from that, um, that trust with local media, what other factors determine how someone effectively balances, let's say, media choices to deliver their messaging? Um, Sticking with you for a sec there, Lynn. Yeah, there's a lot of choices out there. The diversity of media uh, landscape has changed considerably over the years. We all know that. Um, And time spent is just more and more diversified. So really understanding what that demographic looks like, who those people are that we're trying to target in that particular market and understanding what their media habits look like. And like you said, with that diversity, there is so many different choices and just trying to understand how people are spending their time and what they have access to in small markets. Um, It's not just necessarily the the small community, um, taking a border town, like Tim said, of Lloydminster between Saskatchewan and Alberta. That's kind of a unique area, but not only do they not have necessarily access, it's the people that live outside of that. So the farming communities, what kind of accesses do they have? Do they have high-speed internet? Do they have those things? And and that's a critical piece, especially, uh, I'll speak for Sarah, when she's planning agricultural media and trying to target farmers that might not have that access, and they don't live in an actual community where there could be a, a higher-speed access. So what does their landscape look like and what do their media habits look like is really something that we need to pay attention to. Okay, Sarah's really nodding on this. Go ahead, Sarah. What do you want to add? 
Yeah, no, thank you, Lynn. That's uh, you hit the nail on the head with that. And sometimes it becomes that challenge of needing to be creative and making your own media. Um, you know, billboards are not everywhere, um, especially once you start leaving the big city. So do we need to put something there? Um, and that's where the relationships with the different media companies become really integral as well. You know, how willing are they to think outside the box, put something up where something hasn't been before to kind of supplement, again, those tried and true uh, methods that are already in the market because um, it's reach and frequency really that you're wanting to um, really get in there so what else can we add into the market for them and Tim yeah, and just to top up on that it does a great 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 point there really you sometimes you're looking further into kind of like lifestyle and culture because certain communities you'll find that they 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 do more with community centers or they you know you know they tend to be more foodies than others anything like to that nature uh, and then just as an example um, for what Sarah is saying too, in some cases, um, I have an example where there was a couple of rural markets where they didn't have, uh, back in the day when New Ed was still still around, they didn't have um, locations in, in, in those restaurants. And to your point, as a good partner, um, we kind of pushed them and worked together on, on finding ways for them to actually uh, agree to actually uh, start a new network in, in those rural markets that didn't have it before. Okay, now I'd like all of you, anybody, just chime in on, on this now. You do a lot of consulting, you have your clients. How well do your client expectations usually match with your recommendations? I think it's, um, there's a lot, particularly on our client list, there's a lot of clients that need some understanding. Um, I think in many cases, because media budgets have become so much tighter than they ever have been in the past, um, we are finding that the go-to is social media or digital media because we have a small budget. And that's not necessarily the right answer. So making sure the clients understand um, what is available in that area or oftentimes there could be the, the um, set it and forget it kind of me methodology. And we really need to educate clients in understanding um, better what ways we can really engage with our clients. And it doesn't just take um, digital or social media to make that engagement happen. And I think that that's one of the things that there is a big gap in, in terms of education. A lot of them do, a lot of them do understand it, that have been doing this uh, work for a long, long time. We have longstanding clients that are very educated, uh, completely understand what we're doing and why we do it and, and trust our recommendations. And it's not that we don't have a lot of trust, it's just, a misunderstanding and media is complicated it's changing all the time and so we need to make sure that our clients are educated in doing that so when we do our planning and strategy we provide that education to them to help them understand why we've made the choices that we have sarah tim who first i can go oh, go ahead sarah go ahead <laughs> I was just going to add too that even sometimes, you know, when we make the recommendation to make sure that the creative, um, you know, maybe it is a provincial wide campaign, but if we're running in certain markets, making sure that the creative is really tailored to that market. So those ads are really speaking to those individual people because they might not have the benefit of, you know, the other medias that we would have in some of those urban markets. So making sure that we're putting it in the right place with the message that's going to resonate with those groups really strongly as well. Tim. Uh, and I was just really echoing, um, I want to echo what Lynn was saying, but uh, you know, I think that we've in a good way exceeded expectations. A lot of times clients actually are expecting that it's going to be pretty similar media across the board. Uh, and in a lot of cases, you know, you, you, you know, in media, we need to be a, a bit an early part of the strategy 
so they can understand that they may need more uh, production dollars because you know we have ideas with certain markets that need uh, different mediums and different production, right? So I would say that in a good way that we've been helping them exceed expectations and uh, to Lynn's point, educating them on you know the opportunity to really connect with Google in different ways. Okay, now for setting up campaigns, I know there's a lot of uh, strategy that goes into this. Just um, how do you usually go about understanding rural markets that are important to a campaign? How much do you dive into that? I'm going to go to Sarah first on this one. Sure. Um, so that's where, again, the research, if we're able to get it, um, is really integral. So figuring out, you know, what makes this town, what makes that area unique, you know, who are the people, what are they doing? Um, and that's where I know we touched on this already, but kind of getting to really know those communities, either from different media reps or people living in the city from the clients, um, they really know those people and they're going to know what's going to resonate, what's going to work um, really well for them. Um, and making sure that we're really understanding the individual communities because they can vary greatly depending on, you know, what kind of industries a lot of the people are working in, you know, what kind of access they have to the different things. Do any of you have examples of a campaign where you did that kind of research specifically and, and what you did with it? I have that kind of wild one that I think I talked about last podcast though, but I mean, basically it was, um, and kudos to my team at the time, um, they were doing a lot of Googling. So in some cases that sounds uh, funny, but it's it's true too. Like you can find all kinds of insights that happen through um, just on your, your planning team researching. The quick example, I'll try and make it quick, but the example is that in London, Ontario, um, it's well known that there's a major intersection that has uh, a train going through it, right? It's a train stop where uh, the insight was that um, clearly all local people know about it. They can't stand when they get stopped in it. And there's two giant billboards from Patterson that are right on top of it. So quickly there became an idea where we use those boards and uh, on top of it, the board was driving people to go to a new frequency on a radio station that we created just temporarily for them to be able to be entertained a certain way when they wait the average, I think it was something like four and a half minutes maybe. But that's an insight, right? That a team member of mine found and uh, and, and that's one example. <laughs> that's brilliant. Yeah, I remember you talking about that before. Lynn, Sarah, any anything similar? Uh, yeah, I have one. Um, <laughs> really, one of the things that we've found, particularly in Saskatchewan markets, um, and I think that this spreads across the country too, but in smaller communities, um, and I'm talking small, less than 500 people, um, places like that, uh, communities really get involved when their name is mentioned. And there is a very strong sense of pride that's involved with that. So one of the things that we did with uh, a telecom that we worked with in Saskatchewan, SaskTel, uh, is we worked with Bell Media uh, Broadcaster and we had a weather uh, segment built specifically for SaskTel so that when they were launching uh, new products and services within that community, the name was mentioned in the weather. So this was a really unique undertaking. Um, it was it had to go through a very high standard approvals. And in that community, they would talk about the weather that was in the Siemens, Saskatchewan, a community that's never noticed. But it really got the attention of the people that live in those rural markets because their name was being mentioned on live television. And so it would really grab that attention to understand that there was something happening in their community. But it was just a great message to tell them that there was a, an expansion um, and delivering a new product or service in that small, small community. 
and they they rallied around it and it's just been a really great uh, promotion that we've had going on for a number of years now that's working really well oh yeah continuing on obviously it would be very popular sarah you're just dying to share one with us (laughs) go ahead Uh, i do have one uh it was for a campaign that we did with recycle everywhere i'm not going to name the town um but through their research they realized that there was uh, an area in northern manitoba that um, their recovery rate for empty beverage container recycling was really really low uh, it was a challenging market to get into connectivity for digital, you know, was really light. They did have their community newspaper and they did have a radio station, but we wanted to kind of supplement that with some extra stuff. And that's where we partnered with an out of home company that actually put signs up um, chain on chain link fences. You know, they had one convenience store um, that we were able to get up on, but they actually went out into that community and was like, here are some high visibility spots where we can help, you know, kind of your base campaign to get that message out there um, a lot more. And again, the messaging was really tailored to what type of container are we really needing to make a difference with here and making sure that the creative was really focused on that. So that was a really great um, campaign for us. So I've been hearing a lot from the three of you here about some traditional types of of marketing, but let's talk about that balance. How have you seen clients make use of a balanced approach between traditional and digital media in rural markets, like a radio uh, ad or a newspaper ad combined with Facebook ads at the same time? Who wants to go first on that? I think it's really important from uh, a planning perspective is to make sure that the media plan is diverse. It's a really critical piece um, because there's just more touch points to reach those audiences. Gives you a much better opportunity and your much higher success rate for sure uh, when there's multimedia in plan. And I think one of the things that's the differentiating factor is oftentimes clients believe that adding traditional media is too expensive. It's not it's not cost effective. There's no measurement. And so that's that's the big challenge. But there is there's lots of ways that we can measure that. And sometimes we don't get that back end sales information from our clients all the time. And so making sure that we understand the whole uh, direction of where the campaign is going from the beginning to the end and to make sure that we understand what's happening in that area. And so giving the clients that education piece again to make sure that they're clear in understanding what is beneficial, what's available to them and what can work and what doesn't work. So making sure that that education is, is there is really important. Okay, Tim or Sarah? Yeah, I, I think uh, I agree with that. And also um, something to add that you can do is, is some re- um, you can do testing, market testing. Uh, and in some cases, it, it, you know, you can really show the client the, the effectiveness of adding the multiple mediums uh, to a plan. So you can take two smaller rural markets and then do a test where in one case, you may be just doing digital and you may be just doing social. And then in the other market, um, you know, you add uh, local mediums, local visibility, uh, and then do some testing to see if there was any kind of lifts in effectiveness. So that's another thing that you can do uh, to include um, for the clients. Sarah. And I love the idea of a layered approach as well. Creative fatigue is something um, that on digital tends to kick in a little quicker because we are bombarded with so much. So serving the same creative to the same people in the same platforms over and over again, you know, at a certain point, people start tuning out. So making sure that you're hitting them in different spots with, you know, slightly different messaging, slightly different visuals, maybe it's audio, um, 
on top of what they're hearing and seeing on the digital platforms as well is really important to make sure that that message is staying fresh in their minds. Okay, Sarah, you mentioned messages. I wanted to ask the three of you about this, different types of messages being more effective in a rural market compared to the urban or their smaller communities. Uh, how do advertisers effectively talk to these audiences differently? Yeah, so Lynn had some, uh, I think she had an example that was, uh, was, was great earlier. And um, I have some examples as well that were, you know, when you specifically have different creative for each of the markets, it can be more effective. Again, it's a challenge, of course, you know, like budget and other things that um, has to be done from a perspective. But really, you know, sometimes it's even calling out the city. Um, you know, I also have examples from a, a telco, a bigger telco where we've done work where, um, you know, done research prior to be able to say that just by saying, hey, Barry, right, or, you know, just localizing uh, the Leamington message and so on, that, that it can be more effective. Uh, so that's one, uh, definitely something that can be considered if it's, if it's feasible. Anybody else? I think the other thing too is um, that call to action. What are you telling the customer? What What are you selling? Is it just awareness? What is that message? And doing it in a quicker time frame. Because of the diversity, diversity of media and the change in the landscape, people's attention spans are a lot shorter than they used to be. So making sure that they understand what that message is, is really important, but I do agree that when we're talking to rural communities is if we're making either a call to action about that community or calling out something that's unique in that community. Um, if you're talking about Davidson, Saskatchewan, where they have a huge teacup or a kettle, uh, bringing those kinds of call outs in um, shows that you understand, you the advertiser shows that you understand their market and what they're about. If you're talking about Vagerville, Alberta, with their big Pasanka Easter egg, things like that, calling those things out to, um, audiences really makes a difference, especially in rural, because it proves that you know the, the audience. Mm, those are great examples. And also it shows how the media team can be more strategically involved early on in the stage to help the creative team, right? Because we're already yes. doing all the research on like, what are the insights local for all these different communities? How does that translate to our media plan? But also how does it translate to the creative opportunities they might, the nuances they might want to look at? Yeah, that's right. Creative and media really need to work hand in hand to make sure that they're delivering the message. Um, it's our job to make sure that the customers see it, but it's really our job to help the creative teams understand what's happening in those markets because they not, may not necessarily have all that uh, research and capabilities that the media department always has. So it's, it's a one-two punch for sure. I agree. Has media planning for smaller communities changed much over the recent years? I hear you all talking about things evolving, but has it really? I think there's been a little bit of a change with some of the opportunities that are starting to roll out, um, you know, across Canada. TV used to be something that, you know, only on a provincial buy could you do that. You required big budgets with kind of the rollout of video on demand and connected TV. It's bought differently, but that is a way that you can get on TV for a lesser budget in those really targeted areas. And that just gives us another layer to kind of go deeper and get that message out to people in different ways to help with that reach and frequency again. Tim and Lynn, have you seen much of a difference? Uh, well, I mean, a lot of the great stuff we talked about just now, I'd say points to why there should be differences. And I believe um, there are. It's just that um, you know, I wouldn't say it's that consistent. There's a lot of opportunity for it to be more consistent that you do specific planning for specific markets that are not the same as the other 20 markets. 
Yeah, I think there's there's new things that are being added into some rural markets across the country, like digital out of home is something that's expanding into some smaller communities that wasn't there before. And it's a revenue generator for some small businesses uh, who put up these billboards and trying to implement advertising to help generate revenue for their company or, or small business. So there's some things that have been added in that, that respect. And there's other media, uh, localized media, whether it's a, a newsletter or a small community um, piece that's that's being delivered, maybe not by a big published uh, company, but at the same time, something that's really effective where people get information, whether it's a, a social media group or a Facebook group or something like that. There's lots of unique ways where we can get into some of these markets that are, are different. So there's a bit of a change there as well. One other example, too, I, I do see from, uh, and this is more of a publisher, print, uh, and digital perspective locally, but I do see a lot of teams and clients doing um, a good job with more advertorials, um, more of the, you know, kind of like story driven, uh, doing less of if we're going to mix in some regular ads with um, with advertorials where you can talk about your clinic, talk about the community involvement, that kind of thing. I think that's another thing that's been growing as well. Bottom line, and it sounds like you, the three of you have so much on your plate, right? Uh, let's just talk to, uh, before we wrap up here, maybe the perceived notion that there's a lot of extra workload in planning for multiple small communities. Is that a lot of work? I mean, again, a lot of buyers really feel that. Yeah, I think I think it definitely is. Um, I, I think the biggest challenge that we have these days, um, and, and I'm sure Tim and Sarah would agree, is that we have less lead time. Uh, which is interesting, but I think marketing departments are smaller than they used to be. Budgets are tighter than they used to be. And so the turnaround time is a lot less, except we always know that we'll still have that fall campaign from that reoccurring client every year, but it seems like they're calling us on August 30th to start the campaign in two weeks. The challenge with that is, is that we're not getting enough time to spend in these markets. Even though we do um, a lot of research consistently, everyone's messaging is different. So it's really important that we have the time to dive into that market to find what the unique opportunities are, because we don't want to paint the same brush with every client that we um, and do the same thing. That's not what it's about. We want to make sure that it's unique and effective for every single client. So I think that's the challenge in, in having the time to do that um, and allowing us to dive into those markets, find out what the new unique opportunities are and make a difference. And when we have that time, we find that we're way more successful than we are if we don't. Um, it's not that we can't get it done. It's just that the, the more time we have, is it's much more effective. Also, it goes back to what you were saying about the education of the clients. <laughs> clients, especially when you can break through and do a really good job with 20 markets and showing the nuances and the client gets all excited, then it's about okay, for next year, you know, this is the kind of thing we want to continue to do for you, but you really do need to get that list of 20 markets two months earlier than, and, and a lot of them go to bat and find ways to be able to get the, that list of markets earlier, knowing that it can be that much, uh, you know, that, that much better of a result. Well, I think going back to even just that cookie cutter comment, you know, we don't want to be cookie cutter for our clients and each community can be different too, just because, you know, this worked really great in Flin Flon, Manitoba does not mean that it's going to work as well, you know, in Steinbach or that the opportunities are kind of same, that the community is the same. So it really is that individual market research that's needed to happen um, because we can't paint all rural communities with the same brush as well. 
Before we wrap it up, I just want to do a kind of like lightning round bit around the screen here. Just last thoughts here, finding that balance, traditional, online. What is the bottom line you want your potential new clients or current clients to take away? I'll start with you, Sarah. Uh, basically get yourself connected with someone that can provide you with some really great research. Um, agencies are always a great option for that. Um, but if you can't work with an agency, get in touch with some trusted reps who can provide you with that backup information as a head start into what you're going to want to look at. Um, but again, boots on the ground, just diving into those communities as best you can. Okay, Lynn, you're next. Yeah, I think I echo that. I think um, Sarah's really nailed it. It's it's just in terms of understanding what those markets look like, making sure that you're working with a team who has experience, um, and you know they're just not uh, brand new to the media planning um, area, and uh, making sure that there's some diversity within the planning that they're just not looking at one particular media or or forcing you to make those decisions based on past experiences that they have because you're maybe a new client and you have unique target audiences. And so we want to make sure that you're you're making the right decision in uh, your media choices. Okay, and last word goes to Tim. Uh, I'm just going to focus on tailored. You know, everything should be really tailored to each of the different markets. And also to say one word, it's really about insight. Like focus on finding insights, local insights for each market. Well, you've given us a lot of insight, all three of you. Thank you very much for your time here today. Thanks for having me. That is Lynn Hoffman. She is partner director of strategy with Mediology Media in Regina from Toronto, Tim Beach, media lead with Blue Noise Studios and in Winnipeg, Sarah Unruh, director of media with McKim Sherpa. Stats show the average annual household expenditure in home cleaning supplies and equipment in Canada amounted to $248. However, those numbers increased dramatically following the pandemic. For targeted data like this and to get a better understanding of connecting with local markets, please visit adcanadamedia.ca. Another show complete. Thank you everyone so much for spending time with us here on The Local Edge. I'm your host, Shauna Randolph. And for additional information and extended interviews, please be sure to subscribe to The Local Edge podcast on any of the major platforms like Spotify, Apple, Google, whatever works for you. Also, don't forget to check out our website. It is adcanadamedia.ca. Thank you for joining us. See you next time on Local Edge. This series is proudly produced by the team at Road 55. Road 55 creates content that connects. For more information, check our website, www.road55.ca.